Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can try it out for free by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Now, I've got Lindsay Sage on the line with us today, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about how test scores, GRE and GMAT, and maybe the executive assessment, though I'm less familiar with that one, affect business school uh, applications. And so, Lindsay, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, that'd be great. Yes. Thank you for um, having me, Tyler. I'm excited for this. Uh, I am Lindsay Sage. I'm the founder of Sage Admit. We are a boutique MBA consulting firm. Um, I am a solo proprietor. I help clients around the world with their applications to business school. Everything from identifying a school list to producing, you know, the very best application to preparing for interviews. Um, my background is in MBA admissions, which allows me to sort of understand the application in full. I worked at NYU Stern, and prior to that, I worked at Columbia University. Uh, I'm based just outside of New York City, and you can find me at www.sageadmit.com, where I have a series of videos and other application tips. You can also reach me at lindsay at sageadmit.com. Fantastic. Yeah, so today's topic is test scores in business schools, right? And I think that uh, first and foremost, you know, there are three tests. It's the GRE, the GMAT, and the new one is kind of called the executive assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, I still would imagine that, you know, the GMAT is more popular than the GRE for a lot of schools. However, um, you know, we can talk about the, the shift in trends and things like that, but uh, the GRE has become a much more popular test in recent years, right? Especially in the last few years. There are some schools like University of Washington's business school that are over 70% GRE applicants versus GMAT, right? So it's definitely... Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. Foster? Yeah. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah, I believe that's the one. I'll go pull up our blog post on it just to make sure I'm quoting the right one. But it's um, it's definitely shifting, right? And, and GRE yeah. is becoming more common. But I think the first thing, before we even get into kind of which test you, should you take, is just like, how do business schools look at test scores? Right. How yeah. are they kind of how are how are they factoring that into the whole package? Because I think when you're applying to graduate school, that's not business school. You're generally doing it within the first two years of graduating from college. So you're, you, there's less to work with besides your test scores and your GPA. Mm-hmm. But when you're mm-hmm. applying to business school, you are usually, as you said in another podcast, three to five years of work experience. Mm-hmm. So you've got had a bit more time to develop something that makes you a broader, more interesting applicant outside of just your test scores and your GPA. So, mm-hmm. yeah, how do business schools view test scores and how important are they? Yeah, so they do read, admissions does read holistically in the sense that the professional profile of yourself is really equal to the academic profile. So whereas like, um, you know, with law school or med school or other graduate programs, you don't have a resume yet most of the time. And so they're really looking a lot at your academic aptitude. Business school is looking at your quantitative aptitude. Yes, absolutely. And the test is going to show that. Uh, But they're also very much looking at your resume and your career goals and your professional. Are you a strong professional? What's your professional side like? But when when you do look at the test scores, they are absolutely important. It's a big factor of the application. Um, 
really for two main reasons. You know, first, they want to make sure you can do the work, mostly the quantitative work, and that your English skills are there and intact, um, especially the quantitative. You know, mm. you are stepping into some pretty rigorous first semester courses, accounting statistics. If you've never taken that before, you, you know, you need to have prepared for some of this before you, sh you show up to this class. And they believe that sort of the GMAT or the GRE is a good way to prepare for that and to give you that sort of bare foundation of fu fundamentals in that area. Um, secondly, I'm, you know, I'm not going to shy away from this. It really it factors into the rankings. Um, mm -hmm. And schools care about their rankings for a lot of different reasons. It affects their fundraising, their ability to recruit top faculty, their alumni support. So if they all of a sudden just don't care about test scores and they drop in the rankings, um, they'll end up giving up some of those really vital things that keep an institution alive. Right. Well, and frankly, as, as much as, you know, the rankings thing is kind of annoying, it is also something that the, the customer, you, the, the applicant, look at, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so they want they want the best possible applicants every year, right? Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. the surefire best way to become a great and maintain status as a great business school is to have the best people in it, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. if the best people are applying to other schools because they're you know higher on a ranked list, then yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to be hard, right? So that's why it matters so much to them, right? It's it's all those things plus it's the out the applicant pool change. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard because I have a lot of people that come to me and clients that say I'm not good at taking standardized tests. I never have been. And and you know, the thing is 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 what business schools look at it as is listen, we give you a couple different options of a test and you decide which one you're best at. The GRE and the GMAT come at it from very different ways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to us it's about you achieving a goal. We don't expect that you're gonna show up and ace this test. It's about you saying, okay, for four months, I'm going to give my life to this thing. And I have this goal to earn a certain mark and I'm going to make that goal a reality. And they believe that process is indicative to business schools. So it's not just that they want these really smart, bright people that can, you know, get a 780 GMAT on their first try. What they want is people who do well over time. We actually really liked it when we saw someone come in and take the test two times because it showed me that they kept trying to reach that goal. It showed me they were relentless. It showed me that they were going after something. And these are all really great traits for business school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me a bit then about, you mentioned that kind of the different tests are, are, are yeah. pretty different, right? So tell me about that. Okay. So most of your business schools, well, your business schools are always going to allow the GMAT or the GRE. And the GMAT is the standardized test for business schools. It was created for business schools has two major components, the quantitative portion and, you know, the verbal English portion. Um, really, this is, and, and, and you might know this a little bit better, but it's, it's really like you study for the test, right? It's almost mm -hmm. like a little bit of a riddle. Like the math can be very complicated and hard and send people to tears. And if that's the case, I might tell them to go over to the GRE, which is also into two components, but the GRE was designed it's the graduate record exam. It's designed for all graduate schools, not just business majors. So for humanities majors. So the verbal portion of the GRE is a lot harder than the verbal portion of the GMAT. The quant portion of the GMAT is very hard and tricky. And what are they even asking me? And oh my gosh, the clock is, is counting down. Whereas the GRE is like, hi, okay, here's my knowledge in math. If I go into it, if I can get the speed down, I might really you know, ace this and do well. That's the mm -hmm. sense I get from the clients. Like if they're a nervous test taker, 
I might send them more toward the GRE than the GMAT. Is that kind of how you see it too? Well, so I've, I've, I'm in an interesting spot because when I was uh, thinking about going to business school a few years ago, I took the GMAT. Uh -huh. um, and then I also, Achievable has a GRE course and I've done a lot of work on it. So I'm kind of, I've kind of looked at both. I haven't taken yeah. the GRE, just like full disclosure, yeah. but I found that the GMAT all those frustrations that you listed really resonated with me. The The biggest thing is that you're not, it's not about how good you are at math. It's about how good you are at figuring out the GMAT. It's right. a, like the quant section has a, a certain way they write their questions. Every question, like you said, is a little puzzle, a little mm -hmm. logic puzzle box that you've got to unpack. And there are some times where, frankly, like the box has a key and the key is like, you needed to think that this, oh, I have to use this formula. And if you don't think that, then you're just never going to solve the problem, right? Um, there's, yeah. there's certain things like that. And yes, uh, I think that the GRE also, obviously there's GRE questions that you need to know the formulas to answer too. But the, because there isn't that like logic puzzle layer over top, it's a little bit easier to kind of see straight and go, okay, well, I don't remember how to calculate the, the volume of a sphere. So I guess I'm toast on this one. I'll just move on. Right. Um, the the other thing that is interesting about the two tests, at least in, from what I know, um, is that the the GRE is a lot more focused on like geometry and and things that are kind of more on the early side of high school, mm -hmm. and the GMAT seems to be focused more on things that are on the later side of high school, um, mm -hmm. like statistics and probability. And so that's kind of an interesting difference as well. And it depends on kind of what you're more comfortable with. Yeah. And this is why business schools, I think at their heart, still really love the GMAT more because they believe that it's really a better preparation for business school. Like I will say, so first of all, they have no, they, they don't care which one you take. You know, you, you take whichever one you're best at. They're happy to take whatever score is your highest score. Even if you take both of them, they're happy to take whatever's your highest score. But I've been told repeatedly by clients and by even recruiters who used to look at the GMAT score that the GMAT really is the way of studying for it because it's a puzzle is really good preparation for business school curriculum and really good preparation for a job. So it used to be they don't anymore, thank goodness, but like all the major banks used to interview only people with certain GMAT scores. Even Amazon was it. My Amazon recruiter friends used to do the same thing. They would go and, you know, everyone, you know, say they've got four open positions, 400 people applying to it. Who's, who's your highest GMAT? Thank God they don't do that anymore. But they used to do that as a way of like, who can differentiate who's really able to think analytically? Mm -hmm. I think the other part of it too is, um, or the other thing that I think is interesting about sort of the difference between the two is that, um, the the range is different for sort of what's considered like a good score. So like if you're applying to a top business school, you want to be in the top 10% of of students for the quant, right? And, I'd say you need 700 plus you need. Right. Well, so on GMAT, it's 700 plus. On GRE, it's kind of like 160 plus, but realistically, it's more like 165 plus out of 170. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I've heard and, you know, good or bad is that like, on the GMAT, there's a lot more sort of stratification between like a 700 and an 800. Like an 800 is super, super, super difficult. A 700 is, you know, and there's a big range in between that. But anything above a 700 is considered good. 
with the GRE, getting to a 170, a perfect quant score, is quite a bit easier than getting Yeah, it's not to impossible. A, it's not I've impossible. I've seen it more than I would I ever thought I would. I right. I I don't think I've ever seen a perfect quant score. Right, team. exactly. Um yeah, I don't even know if I've heard of anybody getting 800 on GMAT quant. So, on the one hand, it's like the GRE is a little bit easier. On the other hand, um it is a, you are expected to have closer to a perfect score for it to be considered sort of a top GRE quant score. That's what I've heard. So it's just like sort of like easier tests, less, but make you have to make less mistakes. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um, at one point, some schools might still look at the raw Q score, but it's become so hard because it's so skewed now. I think they kind of stopped over the last two, three years because it becomes so skewed with people um, that were just really good at math, like consistently taking the test and just skewing everything all up. But I would say. Um, but yeah, they are they are really looking at it's it's not going to look good if that Q portion of of either test isn't isn't high. Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's just to touch on this: like when you're applying to business school, the quant score is, I don't know, they're much more important than the verbal score. That's right. Like the verbal score can't be bad, but that's right. The quant score has to be good. I yes. think that's probably how I'd describe it. So for the GRE, um, you know, that does need to be in the 160s. Whereas if your verbal was in the 150s, I wouldn't have such a problem with that. But if it was the reverse, I would, I would have a hard time. With that. Yeah. When I took the GMAT, actually, that was, that was what happened to me is my, um, I got, a, I got an okay score overall, but like the, um, that my, my verbal was actually like 90 something percentile and then my quant was was pretty mm. far down and i was like mm -hmm. ooh, <laughs> if mm -hmm. i want to go to business school i gotta fix this right that's not uncommon i see that a lot and it's very hard with the a lot of times people will sort of hit a dead wall at like the 680 mark of the gmat and be like i'm done it's really hard once you get to a certain point with the gmat too like every 10 points is a real lift yeah well the way that my tutor at the time was putting it is he said stop stop solving the problem which was like again, like why I found the GMAT frustrating. Mm. Like he was like, "You're you're solving the problem. That's not what you're supposed to do. If you solve every problem, you're going to take too long. You have to figure out what the answer is, mm. but not actually go through solving everything, right?" And then so that's a whole. Well, this is a podcast for why to do the GRE. We should just rename it. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean. I I I have a bias. I I understand. I work for a GRE company too, but. It's just like I what I found super frustrating with the GMAT because I, I I aced when I was in college I aced the statistics class without really even like I had no background in it I just did it as sort of a senior year like oh I'm curious about this and and it was really easy for me I've always been really strong in math my math SAT score was w very strong and you know did all like calc two and everything else in in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then just to get sort of my butt kicked by a test was 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 hard. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was, it was it was humbling, it was frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have a bias, but um, what well, I let me say... talk about my favorite test. Can I talk about the EA? Oh sure, yeah. No, I was about okay. to ask you about the EA. That was all right. Question. Okay, so this is a rather new test. This is the executive assessment, the EA. This has come out by GMAT, which is the creators of the GMAT. So it's a very, it's like a condensed GMAT a shortened GMAT. Um, and 
the problem is not all the business schools accept it right now. They believe it's sort of like not, you know, they want the, 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 the whole package. They want the full test. They don't want this shortened abbreviated test, but like a few schools take it, you know, Columbia takes it, NYU Stern takes it. Um, and I hope with time more and more do. So it's a very exciting option. I've had some clients really defeated over the last year and I say, go take the EA and see what you get with that. And they come out and, you know, ace it. And it's then, then, well, then we defined your school list and off you go, you know, but it's, um, that's another new option to sort of keep on the lookout. Well, yeah. So tell me a bit more about it. Um, and for the, for the sake of our listeners here, right? Like what differentiates it from the GMAT? It's made by the same people, so they must have a reason for doing it besides it's easier. Cause like you said, the school. Well, and they're not going to say it's easier. easier. Right. It can, they say, you know, it contains the same range of concepts, um, but the challenging math concepts tend to be less frequent on the EA. The verbal sections, the mix is the same. The GMAT. So it's I'm going to look. I guess I could look it up. The EA is a total of 40 questions and the GMAT is a total of 80 questions. So it, the EA is 90 minutes long. Um, so it's shorter and, and it's it's designed with like less preparation. Well, it has like a different goal in mind. Like my understanding of it was that it was it was meant to just be more of like a straight shot. Like how good are you as a business person than like being sort of a full A to Z standardized test that's like a harder SAT, right? Um, do you feel like that's like a fair representation? Yeah. Of it? Yeah, because when you're taking the GMAT, it's like bulk up, tell everybody in my life I won't see you for four months. I'm going to do this thing. Whereas the EI, I've had people take it on the weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, I mean, that's a great advantage for it. Um, Absolutely. I guess, you know, the schools are maybe a little concerned that it's not hard enough, I guess. But like, is there any sort of truth or foundation to that or not? Not really. Well, so we've asked them, and I think for a full-time program, you know, full-time MBA, the competitive two years with the summer internship embedded into the program, the, you know, 5% acceptance rate, they're really looking for you to give everything to this application, and they, they need a really selective test to help them make those selective decisions. The EA is very popular with you know, um, an executive MBA or a part-time MBA, because it's like, mm -hmm. listen, we are evaluating those, those programs are less competitive, mostly because there's less people that are planning to attend them. And it's very regional. And it's sort of like, you've got a lot going on. I'm not going to burden you with a, a four months of a test preparation. You just decided you want to get an MBA in three months. Let's let you get an MBA in three months, you know? We don't need to be another barrier in your way. So I think it's a nice option for that because before EMBA programs and part-time programs, like these folks didn't have time to, to, to camp out with their GMAT materials in the library on the weekend. I mean, these mm -hmm. were people with young families. These were people that, that had very demanding careers. Um, and so it's sort of, I look at it like I'm most excited that it's sort of filled in that gap. And I completely understand if, you know, Chicago Booth, the most analytical MBA program out there is like, hey, this doesn't quite do it for us. Like, I get that, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Um, and so then now we get to maybe the fun part is, so 
there's like test optional admissions now as a thing, particularly post COVID. And also sometimes business schools can offer test waivers. Mm. Right. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand you're saving, you know, four months or, you know, at least Mm -hmm. even if you're taking the GRE or the EA, you're, you're saving yourself quite a bit of time by not taking this test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so but this is, yeah. will it affect mm-hmm. your application chances, et cetera? Yeah. Um, yes. So business schools haven't yet really done the test optional. That was a thing for COVID. It was kind of a pandemic thing. And now it's gone back to we still need the test. But they have many of them have still kept the test waiver option. Um, and the test waiver at least when the business school is concerned, is you'd have to fill out an application to say, hey, I want the waiver. In that application, you have to indicate that you have a strong undergrad GPA. You have to show some quant courses that you've taken, some quant that you've done at work. Like there are basically like, if we don't have a test that shows you a data point of your quant aptitude, what are some other data points of your quant aptitude that we can look to? So you'd fill out that application that's separate from the application of the school, once you got the green light of, hey, you can get the waiver, then take them up on it. There's there's no hidden meaning there. If they give you the test waiver, they really do mean it's okay for you to not take the test. Mm-hmm. There's so few, few schools that give the test waiver right now that I would say probably if you have a list of four to six schools, you're going to be taking the test anyway. So right. you probably may as well just send the test to everybody. What if you, um, yeah, I mean, that that is kind of the question is like should you take them up on it right like so it 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 if you are taking the test anyway but one of your schools offers you a waiver and you know let's say your test score is average for them like what mm-hmm. do you take them up on it or not <laughs> if you met that met the average of the school absolutely send it in another data point for them to show that you're strong in a particular way. The only way I wouldn't send it in is if it's below, if it's substantially before the below the average, and you're just not super proud of it, um, and that that school is a high reach for you in terms of the test. Right. Yeah, and so then I mean I think that um, I think that it covers on test waivers pretty well. I think maybe the last question I have is just like when are schools going to offer test waivers? When. Yeah, like, and sort of to whom or in what circumstances? Oh, so you're going to have to have had some quantitative background, right? So, you know, people that were business majors that had like three, five and above that had taken statistics and accounting and done well in them, that was, they're typically going to be okay with this. You know, Um, if you were an art history major, you've never taken statistics or accounting or calculus or anything. I don't know that I would feel comfortable as an admissions officer letting you waive this test because I have no ability and you're, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're not doing quantitative work. Well, the, I, I have no idea if you're going to be able to show up on the first day and be able to keep up with the class. And ultimately, I do want you to succeed. I'm not trying to be mean here, um, but I, I want you to succeed in the class and I want you to contribute and I want to know that I made the right admissions decision. Right, exactly. And then basically just as you're, we're kind of wrapping up this section, right? Like, I mean, I know that you, you say the quant score has got to be high. And I guess just if you want to put a number on it, like, what does that mean, right? For the GMAT or the GRE, do we feel like just 700 or above quant, 650 or above verbal for the GMAT? Is that fair? Just to put some numbers on it? 
Well, the raws are, so it doesn't break down that way in the raws so much. I honestly, I would just do the average of the school. I really, I would just do the average of the school. Like if they're saying they're a 720 average, I would hit the 720 average. They look at the quant, they don't want you to bomb it. But if you're coming in the average, they're usually okay with it. Mm -hmm. You're not detracting at that point, right? No, no. It's just that if you're coming in, you know, substantially below the average and the quant is, is, is much lower than your verbal. It's like, oh, hmm, is she going to be okay in there? Right, exactly. Great. And then any kind of final thoughts on um, these tests and business school applications? Well, I would just say, like, don't give up. You know, take a diagnostic for both the GRE and the GMAT and figure out, like, which am I going to do better with? Which is my personal best? What felt most right taking it? Um, right. You know. And a lot of times people will be like, I took the GMAT because I signed up for this big tutoring course. Well, I would wait to do all that. First, just do a self-diagnostic, figure out what test makes sense to you because the business schools, they really don't care which one you take. And this is exciting because that's brand new. It used to be that they really wanted the GMAT. It used to be the recruiters wanted the GMAT. And this is changing. So, you know, take where you think you're going to be more, most successful. Right. And I would also add to that, that um, both the GMAT and the GRE uh, have full f practice tests online that are yes. made by the makers of the test. Yeah. And so like take one of each, you want to, you want to yeah. save them. At least the GRE only offers five total ever. So you don't want to burn through, you know, four of them just trying to figure out which test you're going to take, but definitely take a full GRE and a full GMAT and and really get a feel for how you're going to do on each and and whether you what questions you like more i think that's the other thing right because they, they have their own style yeah yeah and you're going to be committed to this thing for four months of your life <laughs> yeah so you might as well enjoy it a little bit more than i mean you know it's still test prep but you should enjoy it as much as you can yeah that's right well great well, thanks so much. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Lindsay Sage from Sage Admit, and that's sageadmit.com. Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free at achievable.me, and you can use the code podcast to save 10% if you like it. <laughs>